In this episode, Rick and I share some exciting news that affects both of us. Let's go. Welcome to Startup to Last, a podcast about building profitable software businesses that are meant to last. Hi, I'm Tyler. I run a bootstrap SaaS company called Less Annoying CRM. I'm Rick. I run a software-enabled services company called Leg Up Health. What's up this week, Tyler? <laughs> uh, not much. I'm, uh, yeah, nice, nice Thursday afternoon here. Um, pretty, pretty normal stuff for me. I mean, we'll go into updates later. Anything new with you though? Um, well, can I talk about the thing? Yeah, we've got, we've got a little announcement. I'm downplaying it. So drum okay. roll, <laughs> go Rick. Okay, cool. So, um, one of, uh, if, if you listen to our mega episode, uh, which I believe was our last episode, uh, w- we shared our goals. If you made it, which you probably didn't, uh, if you, uh, if you made it to the part where we were talking about our goals, one of my goals was to, for 2023 is to figure out how to build leg up benefits, which is our software platform for employers, um, in 2023. And, um, I am not a coder. Um, so that was going to require me to, uh, go find a contractor, figure out how to fund that. Um, and so I was like spending most of my holiday break wondering how I'm going to do this thing. I get a, a, a Slack message from, uh, Tyler, we, we share a Slack for the podcast. Uh, and he says, you know what, maybe we should work together on this and I could, I could help you with this. And, uh, it made my Christmas holiday. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I, uh, I'm honestly, I don't know why I didn't consider this earlier, but I've been, I've been struggling with, I've said on the podcast many times, I, I would like to code more. I'd like to be more entrepreneurial and I've been trying to like force those things at Less Annoying CRM, but the reality is like that that company doesn't need that from me. And then it it was just like, well, y- you need a coder. I want to code. Uh, let's do let's do something together. <laughs> and, and not there are, there are two major benefits to this uh, uh, for for me. One, um, Tyler and I have worked together, and uh, I think both of us have gotten better. Um, and we were pretty productive when we work together as 22 year olds. And I think we'll be even more productive as what, like almost 40 year olds. Um, wow. Yeah. We're old. (laughs) (laughs) So that's exciting. And then second is like, I get to work with Tyler again. Um, uh, and so I get excited about that, but, um, sorry. The second thing is that Tyler actually has built a similar platform before because what we did at Zane benefits is not too dissimilar from, um, what we're going to do at like at benefits. Uh, there's, there's definitely, different considerations in terms of tech stack and APIs that are available to facilitate things. But um, in terms of the market, you're very familiar with the market we're going after. Yeah, well, I, I hope I can deliver. And and similarly, I'm really excited to wor- work on this with you. I guess update on also like, so we're still, th- it's an interesting thing, right? Two people who have a close relationship together, potentially working together professionally. I say potential, I mean, it's going to happen. But one thing we have to do is figure out the the details in terms of compensation and stuff like that. We're not going to dive into the details here because we don't have them figured out yet. Um, I don't know if we'll share them when we come up with them or not, but it's it's an interesting like uh, just like you you and I had a conversation. We both were very vague about like, well, here's what I care about, meh, 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 meh. and then basically you're going to put a, pl- a plan together and kind of bring it to me, but uh, I'm sure nothing's going to get in the way of this. Yeah. I, I think a couple of things just that, that we've talked about that I think might be interesting to people. One is like we, we were, we, we, we spent some time articulating to each other what both of us want to get out of the relationship um, with not, not, not our relationship, but the, the business relationship as it pertains to leg up benefits. Um, I think it was really useful going through that. Um, uh, no surprises there, but, but the, the key in going through that was Oh wow, that's important to you. Oh, for example, learning what, what was very clear to me having that conversation with you is one of your motivations is to uh, dive into some of the newer coding technologies and learn those. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I don't know. There's like my mind. My mind is a buzz with things we could talk about here. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> how, should we just move on and talk about the things we're doing as individuals, or there's, you think we should just keep rambling on about how well, we're going to work together here? I think there's a couple of things that that I'm learning through this process. Um, for example, like I've, I've put a lot of time into uh, uh, building out. So I have a partner, JD, who um, I put a lot of time into thinking through his compensation about this time last year. And we, if you go back to the podcast around 
January, February, it was a big topic that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, and what we're, one thing we, I think that is clear is that what, what I've designed for a full-time employee partner is, uh, is great for a full-time employee partner, but it's not really going to work for, um, the arrangement you and I are going to have. And so that, that, you know, creates some challenges in terms of got to think through this, uh, from scratch and kind of build something custom. Um, I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I I think my dynamic so so I don't know how much like maybe we skipped a bunch of details and the listeners are like wait what's going on here but assuming we explain this properly like possibly what happens here is I build some or all of the product you need so so let's run through some scenarios one is I get you kind of like a starting point kind of maybe not even MVP like a prototype almost um but it puts you in a better position to hire someone else to come in and take over. One option is I build the full MVP. You can start selling it. Maybe I maintain it or whatever. But if if this grows, you bring in someone else. Or maybe a third option is I can maintain it forever or something like that. And I do have some kind of long-term role. But what we're talking about right now, I think we're basically saying, let's imagine I'm more like an investor where... Whatever whatever uh, value I provide to the company happens up front mostly, and doesn't continue. Like that that's pro- that's what we're planning for right now, and then maybe we'll re up it or something in the future. Is that kind of how you're thinking about it? Yeah, and that, that's the main thing. Is like it, what this brings up is like op- like you 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 know one of the nice things about the way we've structured this uh, or w- the way we've structured the employee agreement at Windfall is or at not Windfall um, at uh, Leg of Health is. We we if an employee leaves, there's a reverse vesting component. So like equity doesn't get locked up; it stays in, operating in the business, which is like a huge important thing to me. So how do you how do you do that so that um, figuring out the right amount that yeah. sort of thing is really hard? Um, and uh, but but yeah, like I think one of the things that we've decided is um, let's not let this like compensation thing around an idea be a blocker for us to. Uh, get going. So we're we're doing. Um, we've we've agreed to a trial run where um, the milestone is Tyler. You know, basically digs in, uh, understands the requirements for leg up benefits, uh, and some th- starts thinking through some of the things there. But builds a generic sort of. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it. Lar- Laravel is that how you say it? I think Laravel. Yeah, Laravel. Um, I, said it. I only yeah. read you read these things on Twitter, and then you're like, "Have I ever actually heard anyone say that out loud?" I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> you're 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 gonna like the 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 trial run is basically uh, dig into like what the longer term requirements are, legate benefits, but actually build something that's pretty generic and not specific to legate benefits. And by then, we'll have a pretty good idea of like what's the pace. You know, um, what is this something you want to do? Um, you know, how, how far away are we from something that is valuable to leg up benefits? And we can have a more concrete conversation around specific details of how much compensation, whatever the compensation looks like. Yeah. So if, after building this kind of hello world prototype thing, either of us can walk away. You don't owe me anything. I don't know you anything, but we did want to say, I don't want to like start talking about compensation then because it would be a real shame to get that far. We're both really happy. And then we find out we're like in totally different worlds. So we're kind of doing the, let's make sure we're close right now. And then, but we won't actually finalize the deal until we get through this trial run. Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is a good model or not, but I I imagine this type of thing happens for all kinds of people all the time where you're you're starting a project with a friend or whatever. And it's like, I think both when we did have our conversation, I feel like we were both negotiating against ourselves. You were like, no, you should get more than you're saying. I was like, no, I should get less than I'm saying. Um, and I bet that's common, but like, it, it's kind of an awkward conversation to have even when, I, I, I say, especially when you have a lot of trust and the relationship, the personal relationship's more important than this one business venture. Yep. So, yeah. I, the, the, main, the, the, the main thing I'm trying to optimize for um, is I think through this is optionality for you, optionality, like fair optionality, like so, so that it's... Um, you know, at each stage, like everyone feels like they were treated fair, but there's almost, there's optionality. Like no one's locked into something that creates problems for either party. Um, yeah. Which is really hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I also tell you, did, did I ever tell you why I, Zane benefits the company you and I worked at back in the day. Did I ever tell you why I took that job? I feel like it was related to Ben and uh, was it not? Or, I don't yeah, remember. Well, so, so basically, 
um, so I was in college. I, I technically dropped out of college to go work there. Um, I was in a five-year program, so I dropped out in my fifth year. I still got my under my bachelor's, but anyway, uh, everyone thought I was crazy when I like dropped out of school to move to Utah. Um, my basic theory was like I didn't think I was all that talented, but I was like the other people here are on a rocket ship already. I'm just going to ride their coattails. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was literally my logic. <laughs> I remember you told me this before. <laughs> I'm yeah. never going to have an opportunity to get rich, except if someone else gets rich <laughs> and they made the mistake of bringing me on early. That was basically <laughs> my logic. Um, well, how did that work out? I mean, I didn't get rich off it, but it, I mean, it changed my life. <laughs> That's the, the number one best decision I've ever made in my life was taking that risk. Uh, now I'm not I'm not primarily wanting to work with you for the money. I, I primarily I think it'll be fun to work with you. But a part of me is also like maybe I can do a little bit of work. Rick and JD are going to go build an awesome company, and even if I just have a tiny little sliver of upside in that, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I can. Anything else on? The, I have like a kind of related but slightly segueing into personal updates. Should I go with that, or you got anything else you want to say here? Well, I, I would just I would just say that like I, I'm interested in any progress you've made on the trial run component. So if you have any updates there, would love to hear it. Otherwise, yeah, we can move on. Sure. So what I'm trying. Okay. So I'm picking a tech stack right now. Um, to some extent, I want to like run it by you, and I already did. But also, are you really in a position to tell me what the tech stack should be? But my logic here is like I can build software like a, a simple web CRUD app very very quickly and effectively. Um, if, you're, if the goal is to build an MVP as quickly as possible, I know how to do that. The thing is, I would do it the way I did it in 2010. You know, I'd be using pre-Laravel, like I'd be using jQuery, PHP, I mean, for people who are technically technical, basically before React, before all that stuff. It would work. It would be great. I would love working in it. The problem is, if you ever have to hire someone else to come in and take that code over, they'd look at it and be like, okay, this was written by a caveman. I hate it. And you'd have a hard time hiring. Also, I want to learn from this project. I don't just want to do the stuff I already know how to do. So what I'm doing is trying to find a tech stack that is like really popular where you could hire other people in the future to come take it over and they'd already understand how it works. The plan is Laravel, Postgres. I'm still considering jQuery because fuck all you jQuery haters out there. Uh, but basically, I'm trying to learn Laravel right now. Um my journey in that. So first of all, uh, shout out to listener Cam Sloan. I met up with him in Whistler when when we were up there. It was awesome meeting him. Um, he gave me a really great idea, which is to talk to Jesse from Bento, who kind of, I don't know if he knew how to code, but he did some kind of learning while building Bento. Cam was like, go talk to him, which I did. He said, A, he hired a coach. Um, but B, he just bought a bunch of these boilerplate libraries. You know, for Laravel, you can buy. So he he did it in Rails, but same deal. You can pay like a hundred bucks and get like here's the Laravel Stripe boilerplate. Like all your billing is handled by this. You just have to configure it. The thing is, then you can look at how all that code is written, and like learn how you're supposed to write code in this new way of thinking that I'm not familiar with. So I've. I haven't, so I've got a Hello World Laravel app going. I haven't started using any of these boilerplate libraries yet, but I'm starting to look at the, there's just this massive ecosystem of this stuff. I'm trying to wrap my head around, but sorry, I'm, I'm rambling so much here. This is interesting to me. So keep going. <laughs> um, I pulled up, La is it, say, say Laravel, is it Laravel? Laravel. Or, Laravel. I, I, don't, I don't know. La Laravel Spark, is that the Stripe uh um, um maybe hang on i took notes here somewhere there's there's like a million of these different so my understanding of the business model of laravel is someone created taylor otwell i think his name is created it and it's free open source but then he also created all these other like if you want to do stripe billing use this if you want to have like multi-tenant user authentication use that and each one of those is like a couple hundred bucks to buy and that's how the business makes money good for him man <laughs> um yeah it seems seems great um I okay, yeah. Laravel Spark is the billing one, and then there's like Vapor or I forget what the other one's called for hosting, and then there's Jetstream plus Livewire plus Blade. It's just this. So the way I like to code, the way I've always done it, is like I understand first principles. I know how if statements work, I know how for loops work, I know how databases work. I can build pretty much anything, at least like in the web development world, with that knowledge. Uh 
there's this other way of doing things, which pejoratively, sometimes they're called framework monkeys, which is like, I don't write any code. I just buy code or use open source code that other people wrote and I just plug it together. It's almost like how no code works, right? It's like, I've got these 10 different tools I'm plugging together. I've always found it more confusing using other people's already working code versus just writing it from scratch. So this is like a whole different mindset for me. You have to read all this documentation. You have to figure out how the pieces fit together. It's it's really a, a very serious learning process for me that's not natural. So I'm if at the end of this, I'm really good at it and it's natural, I'm going to feel like this is a huge win just for getting me over that hump. Interesting. Yeah. It's like working on a puzzle versus painting a picture, it sounds like. Yeah. Just two totally different mm-hmm. approaches. But the thing is, I will say, like Jesse from Bento being a great example for anyone who... Bento is kind of like a drip. Uh, it's like an email automation tool. He ships stuff ridiculously fast. And one of the reasons is, the impression I get is half the stuff he builds he's just like finding the right boilerplate library and plugging it into what he's got. Um, now there's downsides to that. You, you know, it kind of becomes a bit chaotic. You don't necessarily have as much control over the UX of everything, but yeah, it can be really powerful if you're just like, someone has already solved this problem. I'm just going to plug that solution into what I've already got here. So it's cool. That's where I'm at. I'm kind of just waiting through documentation right now. So yeah, you're, 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 you're at the stage of the puzzle where you're sorting the pieces. Yep. I did have, I had a very busy week at Less Annoying, so I, I haven't made any progress in the last week, but uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm excited. It's so fun to work on a new project. I, I'm curious, like, um, I guess one thing we could talk about is what sort of cadence, so Tyler and I don't get to talk that much during the week, so this is actually when we catch up, so <laughs> you, you'll probably hear us talking a lot about this as if we don't ever, we don't have any idea what's going on, but like, because I don't, uh, but I'm curious, like what, what's the right cadence for us to talk? Um, so mm-hmm. like, do, do you, do you, will you just like slack me when you're blocked on something? Um, or have you thought yeah. about that? So until I start actually building out leg up benefits, I want to talk to you and be like, like we already had this conversation where I was like, what do you think? Should I use jQuery? Or there's this new thing called Alpine JS that I looked at and I don't like, and you're just like, I don't fucking know. Like, <laughs> um, I'm not sure there's a ton for me to ask from you until I get to the point where it's like, I get how the tech works. Now we need to figure out how should, like, what should the app actually be? Cool. And even then you wrote up this super detailed notion document with what it should do. And we worked together building a very similar app in the past. So I'm, I'm like, I think I know what it's supposed to be, but we'll talk about it then. Really? I mean, the only unique thing about it is the, uh, mint like connection of bank accounts and the flow mm. of money. Like that's the only unique thing. But that's just so f- for people like leg up benefits, what it's going to do is allow employers to reimburse employees for certain types of expenses. That's is that correct? The only the only thing I would say is uh, yes, except sometimes it's not a reimbursement. Sometimes it's make deposits for. Um, so if you think about it, like at the highest level, uh, it's, it's like payroll for benefits where a company says, here's X dollars per year. Let's say it's $10,000 per year. And the employee can decide, I want to use that money to fund my personal retirement account, my personal 529 account, which is an education savings plan in the US, um, my HSA health savings account, or reimburse eligible expenses. So it's reimburse plus mm. uh, fund pre-tax uh, accounts. But the difference between like traditional like offerings in the US is that um, most of the time the employer controls the accounts and you have to like, there's this huge like portability issue um, uh, where like you have a 401k and you have to transfer it into an IRA. This just goes directly into an IRA from the employer without there being the need for like a 401k administrator. Oh, so, okay. I misunderstood that then. Um, Man, listeners are hearing us figure out what app we're building live. So we're gonna we're gonna be fine, guys. We're gonna be fine. Because <laughs> um, yeah, I was imagine the, the employer has a bank account with a bunch of money in it, and it's kind of like running payroll in Gusto. It's like push the button. I was imagining like ACH transfer a certain amount to each employee's account. But you're saying for one employee, it might be like put this much in their checking account, send that amount to Vanguard or whatever. Yeah. So for me, like I'd be pre- a pretty extreme use case. Um, so Leg Up Ventures offers this. We have an MVP through, ex- we're yet leveraging Expensify uh, for the distributions. Um, and then I'm actually manually doing this for my own personal stuff. But like IRA, I have an IRA uh, mm-hmm. with Vanguard. 
good example. I have a 529 account with um, Utah 529 or my 529, I think it's called. I have an HSA with health equity and I have a checking account. I'd want to be making deposits into all four of those. Do those all get funded via ACH? Yep. Okay. Okay. As long as it's ACH, who cares? But I, yep. okay. I didn't know, I didn't know you could just like do an ACH transfer into like an HSA. Yep. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, I think, but you get it now. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's cool. Right. And then the HSA contribution is deductible for the employer and the employee. The IRA contribution is deductible for the employer and the employee. Um, and this is just like, it's like free money. It's, it's costless. So if you think about the funds for the uh, employer, like they, they basically, um, at a certain level pay for it, pays for itself from a, a tax saving standpoint. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, this is better, but very similar to what we built back in like 2007 or whatever. And yeah, there's, there's a good business here, I think. Yeah. And the, the crazy thing is like building this in 2007, you'd have to like build your own, like ACH was like this notch file hell. Oh my God. We generated a text file and FTP'd it to a bank server. That's how we did ACH transfers. Now there's like all sorts of APIs to just like facilitate this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it should, it should be cool. Um, we also built HubSpot, Salesforce. What else did we build? Yeah, we built internal tools to do all of those things. All our, <laughs> our own website analytics. Yeah. Spamming people via email marketing. I'm not you building didn't, you didn't like that. this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it. Like, I'm interested from listeners, like how much of this made sense? Because like, like Rick said, we don't talk about this much just because we're both busy, like this isn't either of our full-time job. Um, is this an interesting thing for us to actually like workshop it live, even though maybe it doesn't make much sense? Or is it more like, let's figure our shit out and give a couple updates about what's going on? I'd, I'd, I'd love be, to interested, people. I'd be yeah. interested in that feedback too. So yeah, yeah happy to. <laughs> uh, cool. But so maybe to segue onto something related, but different, I have 99% decided to do a sabbatical this, uh, this spring. Ooh, yeah. Interesting timing. Would the sabbatical be like no work at all? Or would the sabbatical be go work on a special project? Go work on who knows what that project might be. But uh, <laughs> no, yeah. So less annoying serum has this benefit. Every three years, employees can take a sabbatical, which is six weeks paid. And then you can optionally extend it another six weeks unpaid if you want. Um, I would just do the, the six weeks paid. Uh, what I'm thinking about doing. So I've never done this before. I've been at the company 13 years, never taken a sabbatical. I've been, even prior to this, I was like, I should take one A because it would be fun. And B, it's not a great look for like the CEO to be like, you know, no, like, yeah, we have a sabbatical, but the CEO has never taken one. That's not a good look. Um, So what I was thinking about doing is I'm probably going on, going to Telluride. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Michael, if you're listening, let me know. Uh, It's his uncle's place. Um, (laughs) If I do that, I would probably start the sabbatical with that trip just so I don't have to use vacation days on that. And then fly out, we, you and I talked, fly out to Utah for maybe 10 days and do like, so th- it's so funny. We just did the year-end recap. Everything we said in that is completely blown up. All my goals have changed now. But <laughs> one of the things you said in that is you haven't, like I used to go out to Utah a couple times a year and do this like 10-ish day, just like work all day and all night, except for when you and I are hanging out sprint and what we said last episode is i was like i just don't have that kind of work at less annoying serum that like you can't work all night on email like it just like sending <laughs> emails like, it doesn't make sense this is a type of project this is a perfect type of project to just binge for a week so i think i would fly out to utah and do a week there and then the remaining four weeks or however much is left i'd be in st louis i'd probably still do a day a week at less annoying because i i don't like the idea of like letting stuff build up too much but then the rest of the time i'd be on like up benefits probably that'd be so cool man i'm excited for it yeah Yeah. and i so one of the things i want to be really cautious of is like i don't want the excitement of the new thing to in any way like there's no question less annoying serum is my priority no question but i think like long term this is going to be really good for my involvement at less annoying because like I said earlier, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to code. That's not what Less Annoying needs from me. And so if I can do those things more like as a hobby or as a side project, I think it's going to leave me... We'll see. I could be wrong about this, but I think it's going to leave me really refreshed to like do the stuff that I need to do, but that's not maybe my favorite to do day-to-day at Less Annoying. 
Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. It, I, or it will totally distract you and you'll be like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, that's possible too. Right? Like, um, so it'll be interesting. I, yeah, uh, how, how much of like not having something like this as a side project is keeping you from being the best CEO you could be? That's the interesting question. Um, I, yeah. I, and I don't think it's that it's like actively making me worse, but what I think it does is it hurts my longevity in the sense that like, I, it's, it's a constant distraction for me thinking like, oh, like I've tried to start side projects and like, I should do something. And I have this guilt, this voice in the back of my head saying like, is this, do you really want your life to be meetings all day? You know? And I'm, I'm hoping that it's not that it makes me better in those meetings. It's not that it makes me better at being a CEO. It's that I won't, I'll, I'll just be refreshed and I'll be like, I'm getting this other, I'm scratching this other itch outside of work. And then I can come into work and just own what my role needs to be a less annoying, That's which good. actually this week I've been more engaged with less annoying and, and actually worked longer hours at less annoying than I have in a while. And I think it's in part because I'm not trying to, to scratch this itch there anymore. That's great. I mean, I'm, I, I would love to be the beneficiary of, of this. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise. Uh, I think we're both going to benefit here if this goes well. Um, let me see. I had some notes here. Yeah, I think I think I talked about everything related to this uh, to working together. You got anything else? Should we just move on to normal updates? Uh, yeah, I, let's move on. Um, we'll we'll definitely have uh, progress to report in two weeks. So yeah. Um, well, I feel like I just, I did most of the talking there. What you, you want to go first here with the updates? Yeah. So um, the, I didn't have this on here, but um, I just massively cleaned up our financials. Um, that's one thing that like this puts pressure on too, is like, Oh, we've got a, a, another partner. I've got to be more thoughtful about like how I communicate, you know, it adds this like a little bit of uh, a fiduciary responsibility uh, mm. that I got to start thinking about. So, um, but anyway, I, I cleaned up and started really analyzing um, where our money went last year and um, it was really useful. Uh, so uh, we where we spent, you know, $15,000 ish on marketing last year. And when JD and I were looking at it, we had, we looked at one line and it was tools and we were, we spent $5,000 on marketing tools. Um, a lot of that was outreach software, like email marketing software. And bef- I thought like I was gonna have to come in and say, JD, like this seems like a, not a good use of funds. Like, cause we could put that money into purchase leads and he had already canceled it. <laughs> That's awesome. So it was, it was one of those moments where you're thinking the same thing and you're not sure if it's a, con- but anyway, we we're going to redeploy like $5,000 that was like going into subscription costs into probably purchasing leads, which we discovered actually was a good ROI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I This strikes me as this a similar category of problem I've had many times where you try to optimize something that's not big enough to optimize. And it's like, throw away the tools, stop doing analysis and just go go do the fucking work kind of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, the, the big update for me is like uh, one of the, this is one of the busiest. So JD's busiest time is definitely... November, December during open enrollment. My busiest time is the first week of January because I own the product. And so I, I, I have to go in and up, make a lot of updates, seasonal updates uh, to the platform. Um, so I did all that. I completed the transitions from like our 2022 plan database to our 2023 plan database. I improved a ton of automation. Um, it's amazing how much I've learned in terms of stringing these apps together with a little bit of code um, and, and logic. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, so JD can now like add policies. Um, I implemented, have you ever heard of Airtable interfaces? I don't think so. So what Airtable, for, the first thing Airtable built was basically a, a spreadsheet, right? Like it was a better spreadsheet. And then they started building things on top of it. So you could build scripts on it. They've now created this new section called interfaces. And it's basically a, a uh, is WYSIWYG the right term? What you see is what you get. Yes. So you can like basically design um, an interface around your database hmm. um, that lets a non-technical, a less, te- I shouldn't say non-technical, a less technical user. It allows you to control people's um, view and like access to the database, either through reporting um, or lists or buttons um, or like forms to add or remove uh, rows to the database. And so um, I, I implemented a, uh, MVP admin portal for JD, which basically lets him do a lot of the work that we were like doing through email, um, and cut out probably 
cycle hours of cycle time a month. Um, so there's little things like that, that we implemented that, that came out of this, that was pretty fun, but I, I highly recommend, um, if you're, if you haven't played around with Airtable, you can do some really cool MVP stuff around apps with the database and the interface tool. I mean, you can create buttons, forms, reporting, uh, charts, all, yeah, I remember all in minutes. Back in the day, we did a little pair programming. You needed some JavaScript in Airtable, and we kind of pair programmed on it. And I was maybe this is what you're talking about here, but I was really impressed how they let you just put a button on every row of what's effectively a spreadsheet. You press the button, and it runs your code. And so the code can be like bill this user or email this user the monthly summary or whatever. So it, by writing like 20 lines of JavaScript and just plugging it into this massive infrastructure that Airtable has, you've you've got all the backend admin. Like you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want your users using this interface. But every SaaS app has this like back office admin thing, and it sounds like you can just replace it entirely with Airtable. A thousand percent. And uh, the one of the one of the cool. What I'm finding it useful is a lot of the things that I've been doing manually every month is, is sort of uh, like on the weekend. Is I can now create an interface that is simple enough where JD can do it successfully without like huge risk for error. Or we could hire like an intern or a product ops type person to do it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. it makes it super scalable. That's cool. Laravel has a plug and play all your admin tools automatic thing. Sorry, I'm <laughs> it feels like it feels like I'm gonna like 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 poking around Laravel at some point uh, when I have time. I don't know when that'll happen, but like it seems like the next step uh, for me potentially. Yeah, uh, from the no code, uh, low code space to maybe a framework like that. Yeah, that might be. I'm definitely um, more of a puzzle person, by the way, than an artist. Yeah, what see what I'm bad at. Sorry to go back to that old the same topic but what i'm bad at like in school if they were like read this paper or read this textbook and solve the problem actually sorry sorry no i came up with a, a good analogy can i go on like a five minute yes, rant here? yes 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 did you take physics in high school or college no i took um, physical science but it was not physics okay normal i took a ap physics in high school and then like physics one and two in college the first semester of college physics and AP physics in high school are taught, it's like Newtonian physics. And the problems tend to be something like you have a cannon pointed at a 32 degree angle. It shoots a cannonball at a velocity of however many meters per second. And then it's some question like, how far did it go? Or how long was it? They give you some of the variables and they ask you to fill in the other ones between all these. And the way they teach it is they give you like 20 different formulas. And it's like, okay, if you know the angle uh, the time in the air and the distance, you can calculate the velocity. Or if you know if you know x, y, z, you can calculate a. If you know a, x, y, you can calculate z. And there's all these different formulas, and you just know, you pick which formula to use. You plug in the right things, and it gives you the right answer. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. how yep. it's taught. The problem is you have to memorize like a million formulas, and and not only do you have to memorize them, you have to like know when to use the right one. Yep. There's a different way to solve all these problems, which is like if you've taken calculus and you can have you taken calc two like doing an integral, you can just be like gravity is, it's been 20 years, but I think negative 9.8 meters per second squared, whatever gravity is, that's all you have to know. And then you can be like, I'm going to integrate gravity. And that gives you whatever the the velocity function is. And I'm going to integrate that and get the position function. And then I can plug in all the constants I know. You can solve every single Newtonian physics problem, at least that's taught in first semester physics, just if you know basic calculus. You don't need to memorize anything. It's It's how the formulas are built. Yeah, you can just derive the solution because you understand how the world works, sort mm-hmm. of. And I feel like the type of coding I like to do is like, let's understand how the world works, and then let's just solve everything from there. <laughs> and the way this kind of more frameworky plug in a bunch of open source libraries into each other is like, someone's already done this. There's an equation which is much simpler, but you have to know which equation to use. You have to have them all memorized. You have to plug them together. That's not how I did physics, and that's also not how I code. <laughs> this will be interesting. Yeah, I, I want to change my brain because the world—you know—the world is built on layer upon layer of abstraction, and I think that like it's just impractical not to accept this new layer of abstraction. Anyway, okay, back to our updates. <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of wrap mine up um, real quick. So, like the the two things that are sort of my focus now is we have an annual offsite that we're that we we're, we're uh, starting. It's a ritual we're starting. 
uh, for leg up in, uh, in February. Um, and so JD's booked a uh, hotel flight, um, for a long weekend here. Um, I think the last week of February and, uh, I, did, I mostly just wanted to talk, you know, share that that's happening. And, um, you know, I think it's, I, I want it to be a ritual. The main goal is for us to like talk about Talk, spend time together mm-hmm. and talk about things intimately and like deeper than we get to on a week to week basis. We're, we're actually creating a JD's leading the, 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 the structure of the offsite. Um, but you know, there's a mixture of like, uh, he, he's going to come in on Friday and he's going to schedule a bunch of meetings with potential partners and customers. And like Friday's going to be his day and he'll bring me in. We may do like an event Friday night, Saturday is going to be like just us in a room. Um, Sorry, this, the stuff with customers is just him doing his job with customers or like, are you going to be a part of that in any way? I, I told him like, if he wants me to be involved, I'm happy to. Um, if we do an event Friday night and invite people, we I, I would be a part of that, but probably not during the day meetings. Okay, cool. Um, and then Saturday would be um, like working sessions and like presentations and that kind of stuff. Um, and then skiing on Sunday. Um, and then fly out Monday. So we'd have a dinner probably Saturday or maybe a, uh, something fun Sunday. Um, but anyway, like I, I, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I hope I'm not overthinking this, but like, I, I just wondered if you had any tips, um, on how to make this, like, I think I what I want is for February to be this massive reflection time period for the the business. Cause this business is so seasonal. Yeah. Um, it's There's going to be a huge sprint from October to January. And then I, I basically don't want to, I want people to like come together, get on the same page, get motivated for the next open enrollment, which is like almost a year away. Um, and then like, you know, kind of go back to normal. Yeah. I, I probably over fixate on like culture and traditions versus like getting the job done. Are you more interested in getting the job done really well or like setting this up as kind of like a cultural cornerstone of the company? Uh, I think I'm more interested in the latter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the okay. cultural cornerstone. I think, I think part of the reason I'm doing this is because I never did this well at people keep. Um, and I've seen you do it. Well, I want to have this thing where people know, like expect it, know it, and feel special for having been a part of it. Yeah. Um, and when they, if they leave the company, they're like, man, I miss doing that. Um, mm-hmm. If they, you know, and when they join the company, they're like, have you, Oh, you're the, the, the rich annual rituals coming up. Like I can't, I can't wait. Um, that kind of thing. So I, I want it to be more fun and inspiring than uh, effort, like full of yeah. effort. Okay. Which, which makes sense, especially because in our last discussion, uh, our last podcast episode, you said like, for 2023, it's all about execution. You already know what you need to do anyway. So like you don't need some kind of master summit strategy thing anyway. Yeah, I don't know. This is so hard because 10 years from now, you're going to look back and there are going to be things from like the, the most fun things 10 years from now are going to be traditions you start now that don't make any sense. It's going to be like, oh yeah, you know, we always spin in a circle three times when we enter, walk in a door. Or, or That's a bad example, but just like there's some quirky thing that caught on and we do it and new hires do it too. And they don't know why. And it's because JD did it in 2023, you know, that's like what a lot of fun company culture stuff ends up being. But the problem is if you try to do that, it always ends up being really cringe. I don't know how to balance those things, like how to intentionally create tradition, you know? In this case, maybe I I stop worrying about tradition and just focus on this event um, and say, Hey, like, we don't ever see each other in person. This is about you and me spending time in person. If this never happens again, that's okay. Well, or like, yeah, if you just make this event as fun as possible, the next time you do it, what you're going to naturally do, even if you're not thinking about tradition at all, the things that were the most fun, you're going to be like, let's do that again. And the things that sucked or or were forgettable, you're going to replace them with something else. And after you repeat something a few times because it was just good. So yeah, probably the key is just do good shit. So <laughs> how do you have fun with this, you know, three days or whatever you said you're going skiing. That sounds awesome. Skiing will be fun. Um, I think I, this Friday, I think if we can play this Friday event and make it not, um, formal and just say, Hey, we're going to go do something and come along if you want to kind of thing. I think that could be fun. I think if we try to make it this formal thing with invites and like RCPs, like that takes the fun out of it. 
I don't think we like for we're gonna like, go do something. I mean, you and JD are both going. I assume if you lived here, we'd invite you. Yeah, um, if you're gonna invite your friends and friend, stuff. Yeah, company friends. Yeah, that reminds me of one of our traditions, which we're actually doing tomorrow night, coincidentally. Which is in San Francisco. We did all our celebrations by going to this restaurant called Shabu House. I, I know I've told you about this before. And we invite, you know, it's just like me and Bracken and Michael. Like, so we would invite 10, 15 other people and they all celebrated with us. I do think that's a great for a small company where like you can't do fun gatherings with just the two of you. I, sorry, it can be fun, but it's like different with two people. Yeah, I definitely think inviting others and making them a part of the success and having them rooting for you. And then, you know, again, you don't want to force it, but 10 years from now, people will you hire will be like, man, it would have been fun to go to those. I, I almost think the goal is for 10 years from now for people to like really wish they could have been a part of the things you're doing with JD on this weekend. That's interesting. Yeah, that's 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 a good there, there's a there's a diagram of like people um, like like people who work at Leg Up Help and people who are fans and like mm-hmm. part like not partners, but like basically partners of leg up health and like getting all those people in the same room would be really fun. Yeah. If it's easy. Right. Yeah. So probably take all the pressure off yourself. Just try to have a ton of fun, try to make it memorable. And then next year, make it better. Iterate. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I don't have anything more insightful than that. Cool. Well, now that, Um, now that I've, uh, like all the pressure is off for this annual offsite. My full attention is, is turning to leg up benefits now. Nice. I like the sound of that. <laughs> um, is there anything you can do while I'm learning the tech? Like what, what's on your list for it? Yeah. My biggest learning from this past year is what I'm pretty good at, especially in this business, because I know the market and the product so well, because I thought about it for 10 to 20 years is I can really think through messaging and like starting to generate um, demand. Um, and so I, I, I need to start talking to people and figuring out how to explain this to people. Um, and that's, I can start doing that tomorrow. Um, you don't need a product for that. So I think I'll start thinking through how to position it. Um, I think what will be interesting for us to, to sort of align on is what can't, you know, you know, that like classic, uh, s- seller founder versus CTO, <laughs> Founders, mm-hmm. like, what can I sell versus what, you know, like, I, I you know, I think I, I'm going to probably focus on selling vision for now um, and, and what like the ideal messaging is. But at some point we're going to have to go, okay, what are they actually buying the first time? Because it's probably like a sliver of the vision. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, so I don't know. I don't, I can't, I don't know that until we're further along. Yeah. But this is kind of, we're, we're actually going through a similar exercise of less annoying right now. Where like, okay, there's 20 things we want to build. What's the first, what's, what's. What one thing are people most likely to buy before we have the other 19 things? And it sounds like it's kind of the same exercise you need yep. to go through. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm not going to worry about that right now, though. I'm going to try to go like, hey, if we had this, I'd like to get 10 to 20. It'd be really cool if by the end of Q1, we've got 10 to 20 uh, beta testers on on standby. Yeah. You already have two customers, you said, right? Like we lost one this open mm. enrollment period. Um, they stayed as leg up health clients, but uh, did not continue with the employer program. Um, Learn anything from that? Uh, just that we need something that is a higher value proposition than a spreadsheet. Yeah, it wasn't a real product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you do you think you would have kept them if it was a real product? Hard to say because I'm. Uh, it, it's um, they aren't. They, they are not contributing uh, to their employees. Oh, okay. uh, so um, we don't, I, I guess like the, the catch with our current benefits, like at benefits customers is that they are not contributing. It's mostly them paying for a premium concierge service. Gotcha. Cause that uh, is you're charging or you, I know you want to charge. I don't know what you're charging your current people. 20, 20 bucks, bucks per, month. Per, per employee, which if these are almost by definition, people who don't have group insurance, mm-hmm. right? And that, that is something now you, you said, I think something earlier that answers this concern for me, but in my head, I'm like, you know, that's $20 is obviously a lot cheaper than group insurance, but it's not like way, way, it's not like two orders of magnitude cheaper. If they can afford $20 per employee per month, why not just buy group insurance? And I think the answer is what you said earlier, that they save so much money on taxes that it's actually free to them if they contribute. Yeah. So our competition in this particular industry space is not group health insurance, um, we're going to be walking into companies that don't offer group health insurance because they either can't afford it or can't meet participation requirements or for some other reason. Um, so our competition is actually wages. 
Um, and so, you know, what we have to articulate is that, um, one, uh, if you are going to give some people raises this year, don't instead give them a benefit, um, which is more tax efficient. And then, um, they value it higher. Yeah. They value it higher. And then your cost, uh, of offering leg up benefits will be covered by the tax savings you receive on the dollars that you spend. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's the main. It'd be, this probably doesn't make sense, but it'd be really interesting to charge based on tax. You probably won't know the actual tax savings, but basically like you only get, you charge a percentage of the payments you make or the money you transfer that we know is tax deductible or something like that. That'd be pretty interesting. Yep. Totally. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, and then what's cool about that is like a lot of the, I, I believe the ACH transaction fees are, are, are dollar based and transaction based. Um, so yeah, it's the like cool thing about that is you could actually, you know, cut, make, ensure that you cover the cost and, in, in, uh, terms of usage of yeah. those ACH APIs. Um, but it's, um, I think people, I think it'll be harder to explain than a PPM. Yeah, um, so this is the thing that always happened at St. Benefits yeah. is Paul, our boss would always go out and talk about tax savings and everyone's like, what? I, I, I don't, I'm not an accountant. Like stop talking about taxes. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what gets people's attention. I think it's going to be one. One, I think simple simple benefits is probably going to be our core value proposition. Yeah. Um, uh, simple, better benefits, something like that. Cool. Um. All right. Updates for me. Um. I'm heading out to uh, Vermont on Monday to go to Big Snow Tiny Conf. Have we talked about this on the podcast? No. What, what's this? Do you know what that is? Never heard. Tiny conference. Big Big Snow Tiny Conf. I assume that it's related to the tiny VC fund. It is not. All right. I so have no idea what it is. It is. You would only have heard of this if you listen to like a couple specific podcasts because it is a, I think, 10 person conference or that something amazing. like that. Um, so I, uh, it, one of there's kind of two creators. One is Brian Castle of Zip Message. I listen to his podcast, Bootstrapped Web, like it a lot. Um, I would not be surprised if he's listening to this right now. Hi, Brian. Uh, so he hosts this, I guess, every year where it's like invite a few people to get some Airbnbs and go skiing or snowboarding. And I, I think the morning is skiing and then the afternoon is kind of like talks and like just mastermind sessions and stuff like that. So I've heard about it on his podcast a million times and I was always like, damn, it'd be cool to like be on the inner circle of a cool founder group. And then this year he invited me and I was like, secretly like yeah i made it <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> uh so we'll go out there and and see how that is I've never done east coast snowboarding before I, i've heard vermont's not bad um i'm interested in what how the snow how you say the snow is yeah i'm, I'm coming from whistler so like uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough comparison for vermont um aside from that some less annoying stuff we launched our new api officially which is it has literally been ongoing for two and a half years. So this might be our longest running project ever, and we launched it, and that feels good. So what um, what does that unlock for you guys? Yeah. So for our typical customer, it, it does not directly benefit them at all. Most of our customers are not technical enough to use an API directly, but some are. Like we have, especially our bigger customers, like no big customer uses any CRM without using the API. An example being they might be like, uh, I need to like, I've got a hundred thousand contacts in the CRM. I need to loop through them every single night and find anyone that matches some criteria and move them into our backend system. Like they, they all like, if, if a company's big enough, they have some custom code or something that they need to pull or push data to and from our old API sucked. So like if they had a hundred thousand records, they could pull out 500 at a time that to get all hundred thousand through whatever that is, 200 API calls loop through them all and find the ones they were looking for. Um, now they'll be able to be like, I want anyone with this zip code, give it to me, you know, or whatever. Uh, it just does a lot more like before you could like get contacts, create tasks. That's about it. Now you can do anything. How do you handle like people that maybe, uh, do you have rate limiting? Um, Let's say we do in case any nefarious people are listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, what, what happens is if we get hammered, we, we notice our server is getting hit and then we track it down to an API user and we handle it ad hoc. Rate limiting is a thing we're going to build soon. <laughs> okay, cool. 
Um, but it, this should reduce the load quite a bit because, again, instead of 200 API calls, they can just use one now. That's Yeah, I, I, interesting. Uh, but yeah, you can just do a lot more with it. That will help our bigger and more tech-savvy customers. But it will also, you know, I've been doing this push to get more third-party integrations with us. This is a big part of that. So some of the new ones actually are already using this, even though it wasn't launched. Like, we kind of people were beta testing it. Uh, but it, it should be a much more appealing platform for other developers to integrate with us. So speaking of which, anyone out there who I haven't <laughs> already talked to that has a SaaS app that could reasonably integrate with less knowing CRM, the sales pitch is we have 25,000 users and hardly any integrations. So if you build an integration, we'll push it out to all of our users and it's just a, a free source of leads for you. Reach out to me, DM me on Twitter. Okay, that's my sales pitch. <laughs> this, this podcast is sponsored by Less Annoying CRM. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's done. I, there's still work to, there's still, we, we still want to add web hooks and there's other stuff we're going to do, but getting that launched is a big, a big win for us. We also are days away from pushing the publish button on our Zapier integration. Really? Yeah. Now th they still have to prove it. So, uh, like it's like submitting it to their app store. So I don't know, there may be some, a week or two lag time there. Maybe they'll come back to us and tell us to make changes, but all the work we know we need to do is basically done. Uh, this is great. Um, do you think that you have like a front integration in your future? I really doubt it. Okay. Just because our typical user is not a front user, even though we are. And when you say a front integration, you want to sync contacts back and forth? No, we want, want like a interface overlay so that when you're emailing someone, it pops up like... Uh, their rec their their record in Pipedrive, for example. Oh, it doesn't. Okay, so just to be clear, it's not that it pushes the data for the contact to front and loads so, the contact it, data there. It's that it, it loads the Pipedrive data from within Front's interface. That actually sounds a lot easier to build. Yep. I hate. I'm I'm like done with back and forth syncs. Back and forth syncs are the worst. But that's not syncing. So that hmm. no, it's like basically uh, saying real time validation of like, hey, this person's in pipe drive or not in pipe drive. And then yeah. what like that person's status is in pipe drive in the, in the front UI. Hmm. I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone ask for front integration, so we probably wouldn't do it, but that does sound a lot more achievable than I originally thought. Don't you need that for your own customers? Um, no, we have, we have our front flow working just fine for us, to be honest. When something comes in, we, I built an API integration that just like puts, all the information uh, in the thread for us. Custom code are you? It sucked though. Maybe, yeah, maybe we should use that. Hmm. <laughs> that's that, not going to happen. The, but the, yeah. The only, the, I mean, that's like the only thing, like once you have Zapier, I mean, we could switch to you guys. Interesting. I still, I'd be, you know what I'd love to do sometime? Just like if I can steal some free time from you is like evaluate if that's actually true. Like, cause what sometimes th this is like such a hard thing about like, um, product, like feature discovery, like figuring out what to build is let me give you a little anecdote. Alex, our kind of sales guy who talks to our more enterprisey type clients, they come in and they're like, let's start with this. Do you have outlook integration? And we do now, but we didn't used to. And he'd be like, no, we don't. And they'd be like, oh, well we use outlook. That integration's key. Talk like, let, let us know if that changes. Bye. So Alex was saying, we've got to build Outlook integration. We're going to get so many more big clients when we do. We build it. And then they're like, oh, you've got Outlook integration. Great. Do you have QuickBooks integration? And then, no. <laughs> so we still we didn't get any of these new people because that was just the first of many things. I'd love to learn, is Front the first thing that comes to mind that would be a deal breaker or like would the product that, actually work otherwise? Yeah, that's the, that, well, I would say that it's not important to us today, but it's important to us five hires from now, which is far mm -hmm. away, which maybe like I'm talking out loud that it's not that big of a deal for us. Um, but yeah, that's the main, like, if you think about like our core, our core like workflow, it's front and then it's um, Airtable, Like, and so Zapier can give us, uh, you know, you know, functionality from Airtable, um, and we could probably get away with what we have for front now because you integrate with G Suite, right? Um, I mean, calendar and contacts, not email. 
Well, there's email logging, but it's it's manual. It's like BCC. Oh, it's BCC. Yeah. So that's that's that, be a, that's definitely on our list too. Yeah. But, but this is exactly the type of thing where it's yeah. like there's another thing, right? There's another thing. Yeah. So <laughs> so email syncing, um, and that would be the big one. Okay. Oh. Can I ask you this? Oh, okay. This will be good because we're we're starting to talk about doing email syncing. Um, you don't want every single email you receive in Gmail to create a contact in PipeDrive, right? How do they, does it only log emails on contacts you manually created? How does that work? Because otherwise you'd have a ton of spam contacts getting added to your CRM. Say it again. Yeah, so there's some kind of integration between Pipedrive and Gmail so that your email communication with each co- like lead, whatever, shows up in Pipedrive, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, you get a lot of emails that's like spam, but doesn't ca- get caught by a spam filter. It's just like, it's not something you want in the CRM. Right now, the way ours works is like you you BCC or forward an email to us and we put it in the CRM. So you get to control what gets logged. When it's automatic, how does Pipedrive know, oh, this contact, like we should create a contact for this in the CRM or does it, it not create any contacts? Contacts. It only match. It, it's like it, my, the way I understand that it works is it, it looks for any uh, contact with the email address you're sending. If it doesn't find one, it doesn't log. If you add a contact, does it go back and like find your past emails with them? I think so. Okay. And that's basically the whole functionality? Mm-hmm. All right. That's easy. Now, now what you run into is, uh, how do you, like, and this is more sophisticated, less important for us, but like if, it, you know, who do you not want to log for? Like, what if they accidentally get added to the CRM? Is that a, a reverse way of, um, so how do you suppress certain email addresses from not getting logged? That becomes oh, yeah. an issue. Because like in theory, JD could... Say he, he could enter Sable's email address in the CRM and then Sable being your wife. And then when she emails you your tax information, now mm-hmm. JD has access to it. So mm-hmm. wh- how does Pipedrive handle that? I don't know. I, I don't worry about this uh, at our size, but um, it would be something I would care about um, once we have someone that's not like JD or you. Yeah. The fact that another user could add someone. Wow. That's, that's devious. Okay. I mean, this is what we run through. Like, this is a big Salesforce issue, um, you know, especially with a lot of the outreach tools. Is when you get to be a seventy-person company, people can get access to information by by manipulating these syncs, um, and so you have to have suppression, or you just turn, how, turn how it off. How does it work in Salesforce? I, th- this is not a topic I've thought much about, but I should know about. Um, so you can you can usually do suppression of domains. So like, uh, don't log anything from you know uh, internal internal. Um, yeah. But, but there's always these like loopholes, like invest, like a perfect example is like an investor might end up in a Salesforce instance, um, of the company. And then all of a sudden sell investor, you know, communications are getting logged. Um, yeah. uh, so one, one model I've toyed around with. So the way I use front is, um, so I have, I front just connects to Gmail. So all the, the, the email service is just Gmail, but if I send an email from Gmail and the person replies, it's just in Gmail. Like front is unrelated. It's just a personal email. If I send an email from front, it uses a different signature. And then I have a Gmail filter set up that's like, if it has that signature, send it into front. So what determines it is, did I send it from front or did I send it from Gmail? You can imagine doing that with a CRM. That's just like, if you're emailing in Outlook or in Gmail, it's not going to log anything until you participate in this conversation from less annoying CRM or what a pipe drive, whatever your CRM is, then it starts logging it. What do you think about that? I like it. I mean, I, I, I like I said, I'm not too worried about this right now. Um, m- most of this is like, you start caring about this stuff when you're managing people and trying to like Q- QA. I get that you don't care about it, but I, I have, I can't launch a feature like this without thinking about this. Yeah. You know? I mean, anyway, it seems like a good idea. Um, okay. I'm going to keep playing around that. That's a feed that's very high on our list. So we'll have that mm-hmm. soon enough, but yeah. someday I'd love to just sit down and have you actually like test run less wing CRM. Cause I- I'm sure you'd be like, wait, your pipelines work like this bullshit. And I'd, I'd I like can to also show that. you how we're using pipe drive. Yeah. 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 That, that'd be helpful. Um, we won't do that on the podcast cause I, I think we're probably <laughs> already way past the point of anyone being interested in this topic. <laughs> um, maybe I got one more quick update here. It. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about, uh, kind of the the value of podcasting, because um, like, what I think two we have two hundred subscribers according to Transistor for this podcast, which is a pretty small number of people when you consider like I have 
20 something thousand or 2000 something Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like an influencer, right? I'm, I'm probably below average for a lot of people in our community for Twitter followers. And our podcast has one tenth that many. It sounds like it's kind of worthless. So I mean, like if it's fun, you and I like talking to each other, but like, does it matter that t- such a small number of people listen? But even just since the last episode, two things happened. One, I mentioned I met up with Cam Sloan in Whistler. The reason is I mentioned I was going to Whistler on this podcast. He listened to it and was like, hey, I live by there. You want to meet up? And like, it was great. It was great meeting him. But all like, just like if that only happens occasionally, that's like, that's very cool. Like, like forming an actual like in-person relationship with someone. And then also one of our listeners actually emailed us with a ton of really interesting thoughts, but like setting aside all the business thoughts, he was like, you said you're going to Japan. <laughs> I went to Japan. Here's a bunch of tips. And I forwarded that to my wife who's doing the trip planning. And she was like, amazing. Like, great. Like, <laughs> even with such a small audience, just like talking for an hour every other week and letting people listen to it, like the amount of serendipity is just crazy. Oh, it's, um, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I, I mean, I would, I would welcome more conversation, frankly. Yeah, for sure. So I, this probably, this isn't just about podcasting. I don't think it's more just like, I think in this influencer e world, you're like every it's it's tempting to everything you do be like, how do I reach a billion people or whatever? If you just like put yourself out there and like meet people or people are reading what you're saying or whatever, it doesn't take like a huge audience to like really have an impact on your life. Yeah, I agree. Okay. That's my uh deep thoughts from Tyler. That's very today. deep. That's it, it's it's very deep and emotional for you. Yeah. Um I I, I Akshay's great. Like I love reading his updates. Um, I feel like we're on the journey with him. Uh, yeah. like he he's he's cool. So yep. um by the it, way, you, you just said I that was a deep thought. I listen to the podcast from the Always Sunny uh, in Philadelphia guys. Anytime something like there every once in a while they say something nice to each other and they always say, Hey, fuck you. <laughs> let's get, back, like, let's get back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Kill, kill the weirdness. <laughs> um, well, on that note, if you'd like to review past topics and show notes, visit startuptolast.com. See you next week, Tyler. See ya.